I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Swapcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to the elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torrent Strait Islander peoples today. We're talking again about body swapping Welcome to the Swapcast Podcast, the world's only podcast dedicated to body swap movies. I'm your host, Paul Mitzi, and with me we have... Brendan Levi, because I'm second. <laughs> and returning to the podcast, the lovely... Hannah Dallas. In today's episode, we'll be breaking down the 1936 British sci-fi horror, The Man Who Changed His Mind, starring Boris Garloff, where a mad scientist creates a machine that allows him to swap the minds of others, but this absolute power soon gets out of control. But before we get into that, just a reminder, we absolutely love hearing from our listeners and we welcome film suggestions for future episodes. So please reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram. Send us an email at theswapcastpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to support our show, reviewing us is the best way possible. So to say thank you, if we reach 100 star ratings on iTunes and Spotify, we will finally fulfill our fans' most common request to review face off so uh we did get actually a few lovely messages during our little break so oh. i'll read a few of them out first we've got one from james who sent it on instagram and he said just listen to the latest episode and it's another good one i heard your upcoming show with a movie from 1936 and i wondered if you if you had considered the 1940 movie Turnabout, directed by Hal Roach, it may be the first swap of a married couple, and if I recall, the joke is that their voices don't switch. So, uh, thanks for the recommendation, James. That was definitely already on my list, but I will definitely uh, pump it up the, the list. We might do that a bit sooner than I thought. Um, and, I don't know, after this movie... I we think might this... want something a little more recent, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> like 1940s. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, like, I'm, I, I'm happy to explore this era of film. I, it was fun It was fun doing something a bit older for once. So. Yes, it was wonderful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I loved it. It was a great change of pace. We got another one from Jess. She said, I, my name is Jess. I've been listening to your podcast since 2019, and I thought it was finally time to email you guys. Recently, I finished my undergraduate degree in English literature and actually wrote my final essay on the body swap trope Ooh. and how it's presented in media. Needless I love that educated people listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, get this. Needless to say, I counted listening to the podcast as research. We actually are research on, a, on an actual paper. Please don't say <laughs> you cited us in your... <laughs> Whenever I need something to listen to when I'm traveling or working out, I always gravitate back towards the Swapcast as the chemistry between you guys is undeniable. I know. It's, yeah, especially between so Brendan and I. Right? Right, you should see this on video chat. It's palpable. <laughs> uh, it's the only podcast I'll happily replay episodes of. Though I've watched most of the movies you reviewed, and a lot of them are not great. Here's hoping a good swap film gets released soon. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this movie, but there's an apocalypse swap movie, fittingly called Apocalypse CA, that came out in 2011. Frankly, it's awful, but I think you guys would get a kick out of it. I wish it had been handled better because the idea of a swap movie set during the apocalypse sounds fun. I still want to watch it. Swap yeah. Apocalypse. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and she also says, P.S., the exchange episode is my favorite. So, uh, you know, I, I totally understand why that movie is epic. So <laughs> I think the biggest compliment there is that you would listen to us like again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even do that. I've done that. Yeah. 
The only <laughs> podcast I've done that too was uh, Justin Roiland's, and now I don't anymore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hopefully, we don't get cancelled as swiftly as he did. <laughs> um, uh, and finally, we have one from Guy, and he says, Hey... First, I'm not a piece of shit. I reviewed you all on iTunes a long time ago, but I'm writing. Yes, exactly. That's as we all know. That's how you are not a piece of shit reviewing us on iTunes. But I am writing to suggest the 1987 film Hunk as a movie to review. I can say that everyone will enjoy it. Sorry, I can't say that everyone will enjoy it, but I definitely can say Paul will. Thanks for such a great <laughs> podcast. Um, and I watched the trailer for this, and I could definitely say he knows me. Guy knows me. Uh, so uh, we might be hearing a bit more about that film at the end of the episode, I might say. Okay. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, so, yeah, again, we love hearing from our listeners, and thank you so much for the suggestions. Um, keep them coming. Keep the accolades coming we love to know that people are actually listening so mm. that's really cool to hear from someone who's writing their thesis in this area like you, i feel like you yeah. need to get them on and like interview <laughs> them about their expertise yeah yeah i would love to know what they you know ca- what came out of this thesis what mm. they discovered about the genre um so yeah good idea All right, so on to The Man Who Changed His Mind. This film was released in 1936 and is the oldest film we have covered on the show so far. It isn't the very first body swap film, but it's a very early incarnation of one. So my question is, can we see the seeds being planted for the formula we have seen in so many of these films? And is there anything that this film does that has been jettisoned by the swap films that followed. That's a great prompt, Paul. I feel like <laughs> you guys have watched a lot more body swap f- films than I have, though. So, Yes. Oh, that uh, means I have to answer. <laughs> 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 like, uh, yeah, I, f- I feel like there was those bits and pieces that felt very reminiscent of what we still see today. Like, the the fact that people are just so un- like unaware that they're in someone else's body and they're acting completely <laughs> different. You know what I mean? Like they, they don't seem to be like, Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm not me. I need to, you know. Yeah. They don't put the effort in to try to act like the person. Any different. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh, this, this person's my son. I should be very careful not to seem strange around them. Um, yeah. but no, they'll just be like, Hey, uh, let's have a cigar, cigar, young man. Like, yeah. I thought that the um, transformation scenes, like, definitely laid the groundwork for later films. The way that they made a real, a real big deal of um, the body swap moment. Did, like, what do you mm-hmm. call it? The transformation. What What do you generally refer to that? The as? prestige. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like plenty of orchestra and like the lights and even with the limited. Um, filmmaking techniques of that era, I thought, um, yeah, that yeah that for sure. I love trope. like old science fiction, like so much yeah. more fun than like what we have mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> reality. Yeah, well, though it's funny. Uh, probably the the movie that came to mind in terms of the swap mechanics of like the 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 machine that's swapping them was the film we reviewed last, which was a 2017 film, Wife and Husband. Uh, which was another one where it's kind of like electrodes, you know, stuck to their heads and they had lots of dials and electrodes and all that kind of stuff. Like, so it's funny, you know, films that are still being made now are using quite similar mechanics than this, this did. Uh, I have to say, like, it did feel very reminiscent of movies that we, we're still reviewing now and watching now. Um, it's funny how much of that DNA was already p- present here. We get a lot of the classic moments of, you know, someone being swapped into their body and then looking at their hands and then getting used to their their new body in that way. And Well, especially because the guy had no legs before. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, no legs that worked anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it, it kind of used that this concept in a re- some really creative ways straight off the bat like um yeah i i felt this film totally holds up i was entertained throughout and i think it does a lot of 
the same things that body swap films do now, but it did did it like an hour shorter than what a movie yeah, would nowadays. It was certainly <laughs> concise, wasn't it? Yeah, punchy even. Hey, mm. yeah. There's mm-hmm. there's no fat on these bones. It was just like let's get to each <laughs> sequence, you know, one after the other, um, and I really appreciated that. Um, it's like, look, I'm a man and I'm here to protect you. Oh, no, yeah. I'm a self-made woman and I'm going to be all by myself. It's, yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, that, that's another element that I thought was pretty progressive. Like yeah, the female the lead was, was- Very independent, a, very self-minded. Yeah. She's yeah. a doctor. And I thought that was awesome. Like we kind of follow her from the beginning and it's um, her journey to meet this mad scientist. And yeah, there are a few comments about, um, oh God, what does he say? Like women that, that can't keep secrets and they're crying all the time or why would you yeah, how, how i hate strong-minded women oh yeah how i hate strong-minded women yeah. she was great yeah it was- yeah and it's not like it ended with like a cautionary tale of this woman being independent like yeah yeah, yeah she, she ended up saving everyone pretty much in right? the end so whereas um, i would have expected it to be like see that's why we don't give you jobs yeah <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't like uh, she seduced the scientist and he like, succumbed to her wiles and it um, brought mm. upon the downfall of everybody. Like, it was definitely a failing of his ego and um, I guess, like, that descent into madness as well, really. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I did like, you know, I feel like a lot of the characters here had a lot more depth than what you'd expect in this yeah. kind of film. Like even the, you know, the quote unquote villain, um, the mad scientist, Dr. Lorient, uh, like he, he had a legitimate motivation for turning the way he did. You know, he, uh, the whole, uh, scientific community pretty much turned his back on, turned their back on him and didn't believe him. And, um, you could see why he, became what he became yeah and then obviously his like uh scientist assistant was disabled and then all of a sudden he had this opportunity to enter uh, like an able-bodied you know body and like there there was depth and there was reasons for everyone doing what they were doing like um yeah I, yeah yeah i wasn't confused why someone like 360 and all of a sudden was betraying someone or yeah. Mm. No. Yeah. He was the, isolated the and was the progression or uh like disintegration of him was plausible. So that thing isn't it of like absolute power corrupts absolutely and he just yeah. um couldn't handle it. So I guess we should do a 30 second plot summary. <laughs> I ha- like it has been over a week since I've watched this film. <laughs> <laughs> like so a bit of a backstory. Well, I watched this film when we were supposed to record it like an hour before we were supposed to record it and then there was technical difficulties and we've had to wait a week to record it again. Um and I, I very specifically watched it just before we recorded so that I would remember, remember it. it. <laughs> and now it's been a week and it's going to be a struggle. I think that's fair because I feel like it would have been too easy if you'd just watched it. (laughs) You want to count me down? All right. Are you ready? No, but let's do it anyway. Well, the clock's already going. Go. Uh, So there's a a mad scientist and he's worked out how to swap bodies. And then this woman goes to work for him. And then uh, she gets her boyfriend's dad, who's uh, like a newspaper guy, to fund the research. So then he does. But then when he unveils research, everyone thinks he's an idiot. So then he goes rogue and then decides to swap his assistant's body with the um, newspaper guy. And then um, then they decide. Uh, <laughs> you're doing really well yeah. you went with the plot you're doing literally the entire film <laughs> oh no um yeah but i mean but you I got guess, fair way through like yeah. fair way through yeah and then uh they decide to well they kill the the newspaper guy when they swap because when he goes into the assistant's body he like dies instantly because the, the assistant's body so like frail, frail yeah <laughs> um and then uh the uh mad scientist decides then he's going to swap into the son like the girl's boyfriend's body that's right yeah and then kill his own body which oh and no frame so the other person for murder right frame the other person for murder 
Um, and then it all goes awry and because uh, the, cause Claire, Dr. Claire sees mm-hmm. through, um, cause he, he won't stop smoking, which is a dead giveaway because <laughs> yes. her boyfriend would never smoke. Uh, what did we think of the boyfriend? Uh, so he basically refuses to <laughs> let her be an independent woman, literally follows her across the country in secret to make sure of her not being independent actually writes a newspaper article def- like defaming her, her boss, boss so that she would get fired <laughs> um do we did we stand them as a couple uh i didn't at best a clinger at worst yeah. a controlling toxic <laughs> Dude. I just thought it was persistent, you know? Persistent, yeah. sure. It yeah. was romantic. It's a positive. Yeah. Like yeah, <laughs> it's a any other blend. any other uh musical score would uh would suit an entirely differently different storyline, you know what I mean? Like Yeah, right. Yeah. Like marry <laughs> me like and she's like, No, and uh you have tailed me into another state or country or whatever it was. <laughs> and then I'm going to like literally uh like like have to lose you in a chase to and like jump in a car to get away from you kind of thing. And then, but because she's like smiling and laughing the entire time, it's just like, <laughs> Oh, this is fun being yeah. chased by a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, say what you will. He got what he wanted in the end. So <laughs> yeah. Lads out there. It worked. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> nice guys don't always finish last. One thing that did break my heart in this film, though, was the treatment of the monkeys. Yeah, that was a real hard watch, wasn't it? Yeah. So uh, all the experimentation to see if this body swapping machine would work is on was all done on monkeys. And obviously because it was in 1936, they used real monkeys. So who knows the treatment <laughs> of those monkeys? Um, like yeah. they... They were very cute, though, um, and they were great actors. Like, you had to work, like, see the difference in the personalities of the two monkeys in order for that scene to work, and they managed to do it. <laughs> yeah, I assume they, like, riled one up, and then the other one was just like, you know, hey, come in. Like, yeah. I'm sure it was the same monkey. Or they went through, like, 14 monkeys, like, one on each take. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I would love to know the backstory of, of the treatment of those monkeys. I can't imagine it would be a good one. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm always really interested in horror films because it says so much about, like, whatever people are anxious or afraid of at the time. And mm-hmm. I think my mind immediately kind of went to um, – psychiatry and psychology as a real like evolving field in the 1930s and mm-hmm. emerging field I guess and this is right 1936 is kind of I think around the time that lobotomies were becoming um more common practice like um yeah. and then by the early 1940s moving to the late 1940s they had um like the re- the results of them had become more clear mm-hmm. and I think in general people were there were mixed feelings about psychology and psychiatry and what it meant to be working with the brain and um what was and wasn't acceptable to be doing and it felt like this film engaged with that uh in some ways um the limits mm-hmm. of the mm. the brain and the self and how much we should be meddling and like this um kind of mad scientist um character being doing horrific things and um yeah i i think it's interesting to think about it through like the social lens sometimes because um yeah yeah, horror horror is always like telling us something and it it seems like um looking back on it that that people were kind of right to be skeptical or cautious of how much we should be opening up people's brains and poking and prodding things around (laughs) literally yeah yeah (laughs) And like I think at this time the mad scientist was became a trope. It was mm. a very present thing in movies at the time. It became its own genre almost. It was like, like almost all of the 1930s sci-fi horror films are to do with zombies or um, mad scientists. I think there's Frankenstein, Maniac. Yeah, we- yeah. And obviously like Boris Garloff who mm-hmm. played the main character in this, he was Frankenstein. Like Oh, he really? Was- 
yeah, he was Frankenstein in Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. So um, it was very much in his wheelhouse, um, this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess he was, he was on the other side. Like he was Frankenstein's monster, sorry. He wasn't Dr. Frankenstein. Mm. So I guess this is his chance to be on the other side of the operating table. So, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, this film actually, you know, has... I'm I'm surprised it's not talked about more because mm. it does have a pretty good pedigree. So, you know, obviously Boris Karloff is an icon in horror from being uh, Frankenstein's monster. And I kind of alluded to Hannah before we uh, started recording that the director of this film went on to direct um, Mary Poppins. Like <laughs> that is wild yeah. to me. I yeah, was so intrigued. Actually- yeah, he actually had uh, a really fruitful career um, with Disney. So he uh, did the sequel to Flubber, That Darn Cat, uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, the love, like all the Love Bug Herbie movies, um, and he also directed a film that we did on the show previously, uh, the sequel to The Shaggy Dog, The Shaggy DA, where <laughs> the dog stands up and punches, punches someone in the face. <laughs> Um, which is, you know, a, a classic a, scene, iconic, iconic scene of cinema. But yeah, and you know, I, I have to say, I can see that DNA watching this film. Like he has a visual style that's really interesting. And like, I think that kind of, uh, obsession with the mechanics of the swap and all that kind of stuff then shows its, itself again in films like The Absent-Minded Professor and Flubber and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, did you guys kind of feel that when you were watching it? Like, uh, watching it, I was, I, I always find myself very curious about, um, just old, old cinematography techniques and stuff, like, uh, and just always sort of looking at it and sort of, you know, asking myself, oh, what are they doing here to like, you know, to build that show or whatever. Um, cause I'm often on that other side of it, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I genuinely was not like, I guess with a lot of stuff we watch, I'm often like, oh, like, you know, don't, don't do that. Do it this way or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely can see that he, um, knew what he's, he was doing. Like there was all these shots. I was like, nice. Good yeah, job. It, like- <laughs> it was really well crafted, wasn't it? You could feel the skill and the, it just made me it's it's been a long time since i've watched something this old yeah and there is something so beautiful about um black and white filmmaking and the ability to storytell um in that medium i think it's mm-hmm. just yeah i i can see why um he ended up going on to do those films that, especially like bedknobs and broomsticks and uh <laughs> and mary poppins like could you like, do – he obviously is like a genre, very genre literate director. Like he's kind of helped craft the horror genre in a way. But, yeah, what a what an awesome guy. Like, yeah, yeah Mary Poppins is like technical. I'd say it's like a masterpiece, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I yeah. was just thinking of like I would agree, how yeah. it was just such like beyond its time. Technically, like the, there's a lot of stuff that they were they were doing in that that had never been done before. Um Especially with like the the painting, um, the blend like of the animation, animation, blend yeah. of animation stuff. They like came up with new ways to, because um, it's not even green screen. It's um, this whole anyway. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's uh, yeah, definitely someone who knows what they're doing. I thought there was like an element of, and I, I guess this would be the same for all sort of monster movies if you would put this in that sort of category. But and and links in with that fear, like that fear of like of you know, lobotomy and science and, you know, going where you shouldn't, but like a tone of, uh, of like a, a religious aspect, like the idea of the soul and being, mm. um, mm-hmm. everyone being, they were, they were more afraid of him doing it because they, it sort of, they didn't know what it meant to, to be human anymore because, you know, when he did it with animals, the next step was like, trying it with with humans and that seemed to be what really gave further the idea of like switching bodies and soul and um i think that, yeah. one, that was really interesting um aspect of how how you look at that era and 
um, mm. science and the fear of what it could mean. And yeah, I know. And, I found that interesting. And the fact that he referred to it as thought content, I felt, felt like a very modern way to describe <laughs> the mind. Content. Yeah. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. That's such a good point. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I know what you're saying, Brendan. It feels like there's this push pull or curiosity and fear around the boundaries of the soul and self and that being a really scary thing in the film like if we're going to be swapping people in and out like is there something that remains that makes them like it's themness their unique like their soul and does that exist can that be quantified should we be transferred Mm, yeah Mm. i think i think people are still really engaged by those kinds of questions and that's probably why like the body swap genre like endures because we're still really not sure where someone's like, I don't want to get like too epistemological about (laughs) it, but yeah, there's still that, um, the unanswered questions about what makes where, where a person exists for one word. Yeah. And it's funny that like we watch so many of these films and they're all trying to grapple with that and like maybe one of one percent of them actually have anything interesting or profound to say about it so many of them you know reach for this and just like fail miserably and this film so early on in this genre i think does a better job than so many of the other ones and in a short (laughs) amount of time too it's only an hour so well worth watching by the way everyone yeah, can just and, jump on youtube yeah fyi it's free to watch on youtube <laughs> so um I, I would highly recommend it what's that for i'm coming with you you're doing nothing of the sort but you need someone to look after you sorry dick but i specialize in looking after myself then i pack my bag for nothing i'm afraid so how i hate strong-minded women <laughs> you heard what we thought of the movie but how attractive did we find the cast now it's time for hot or not Take it away, Brendan. Are they a toot or a boot? Are they ugly or cute? Tell me if they're hot or not. Please. <laughs> Everyone, Everyone is beautiful, beautiful in, in their, their own, own way. way. Ugh. <laughs> All right. So Boris Garloff is Dr. Laurie Anston, <laughs> the uh, mad scientist. Uh, hot or not? Can't even have an attractive name. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like the name Boris? Boris Karloff, is it? Yeah. Yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> I was looking at him during the film because obviously I, you know, knowing that I'm going to be on a podcast where mm. I have to say if this person's hot or not. Um, and I was like, is there an attractiveness there? And I was like, well, maybe uh, I'll Google him when he was more like in my age range and he still looked like 60 years old. <laughs> um, so, like, he's he's just got one of those faces. He's, like, prematurely he's, elderly. Yeah. Okay. So I think he is fantastic, but sexy, not, not getting there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hannah? Uh, yeah, smash or pass? Uh, pass. <laughs> and, you know, this movie did him no favours. He had, like, those, like, super dark... <laughs> Bags like, under uh, his eyes. Yeah. yeah. Like, stage makeup sort of really yeah. accentuated, yeah, dark rigs and stuff like that. So, yeah. Probably my favourite shot in this whole film was kind of when he was going insane and it was kind of like him superimposed over, like, spinning footage and he's like it's underlit and he's like kind of looking crazy and screaming i was like that that is a cool shot yeah very cool shot did that get you going though paul no, no i wasn't so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so john loader as dick hasselwood her love interest <laughs> you know dicky yeah i have to say like if you take away his personality yeah and how toxic <laughs> he was he was a handsome guy in the film. And then I look at his IMDb picture and I'm like, was I seeing him right? Because he doesn't look good there. Oh, maybe um, I should look him up. What's his name again? John Loder. He's got one of those faces. At certain angles, he's like super handsome. And then others, you're like, hmm. I think in profile, he he looks great um, and with a certain expression. But um, hot he is not to me yeah like everyone was just smoking so much that they just all look like weathered 
yeah. sort of levery people. <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at it. He's got the face of a weenie. Like, he's a weenie. <laughs> he's a weenie. <laughs> So, uh, rest in peace, John Loder, mate. You know, you know, you know. <laughs> um, Anna Lee as Dr. Claire. Um, I thought she was a smoke show. I yeah. loved her. And, like, some of her outfits, I'm like, wow, like, were they wearing that then? Like, they actually look mo- like modern outfits. Um, and she pulled them off really well. So, um, yeah, I I thought she was stunning. Yeah, me too. Classic Hollywood, yeah. like of the she era, like the p- pencil eyebrow, the finger waves. I was yeah. there for all of it. It was beautiful. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention about her, so she, her, well, her her journey in this film is uh, so this mad scientist hires her. She goes across the country to help him out in his laboratory, um, and you know she's there because she's a respected doctor and he and he liked what she did um previously and the first thing she does when she gets there is does does the dishes yeah okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like yeah unfortunate <laughs> <laughs> if they kind of acknowledge it though don't they from memory yeah that yeah. she's cleaning up after these slobs who are kind of absent-minded and lost in their work and yeah yeah but it, it's it's not it's not the best uh look is it in, yeah in the 2023 <laughs> remake they're not making her do the dishes as the first thing when she gets there <laughs> frank sellier as lord hasselwood the uh the newspaper magnate <laughs> uh no he had a, a jovial quality but not a uh a sexy dude. <laughs> I mean, I'm uh, not going to yuck someone else's yum, but that's uh-huh. not for me. Who's yum? Who's yum are you yucking? <laughs> no one was after this guy. <laughs> well, I guess someone would have had to sleep with him at some point for him to have a son, but who knows what he used to look like. Well, the, the secretary, right? Oh, yeah, he was uh, fucking the secretary. I forgot about that. That's I thought bit- that was quite... I, I just assumed that would be quite scandalous to put into a film, even, you know, like, because yeah. I, I thought like it was sort of like, oh, they sort of hint at it, but then it's like quite clearly, you know, brought up by, um, and it by was quite a, like the, it's a comedic beat that I reckon we've seen in like modern show shows. Like it felt <laughs> like a very modern joke where yeah. he treats her in a certain way and then she's like, because they're having a sexual rea- relationship, she's like offended by it, and then like storms out crying. It, it felt like something that I've seen very recently. Is um, infidelity something that was policed by the Hayes Code, or were they not really phased? Just just the gays. I I I'm I'm sure it would have been. Mm. I'm guessing this would have been in that era of the it Hayes was, Code. It was yeah. um, nineteen thirty-four to sixty-eight. Yeah. And and just for the audience, because <laughs> obviously I know. Uh, <laughs> tell her what the Hayes Code is. Um, the Hayes Code was um, a self-imposed set of guidelines for um, the film industry, and it was uh, it prohibited like uh, swearing, um, nudity, realistic violence, sexual uh, perversions, and um, yeah. like sexual violence. Yeah. So, but you watch a lot of films from like the twenties and early thirties before this code came in, and it was pretty fucking risque. Like they got a lot with, they got away with a lot, and mm. then this came in. Code and, came in, and it turned, I guess, Hollywood into what it is now, like the prudish establishment it is now. So, yeah, right. Mm. Mm. Um, though, but I like, mean, this, this, this is a British film, though. Be- hey, this is a British film, so I don't know if that would have quite mm. been under that banner. Right, 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 right. I was going to say, like, didn't that just become, like, like uh, the code of, you know, MPG? Yeah, I M-A-R-18? mean, all, yeah, the classification, like, systems in America and in Australia, they're all self-imposed by their industries, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's still, the, the legacy still lives on today. Hazelwood, I wish you'd treat my body with more consideration. After all, you're only the temporary tenant. Temporary? Why temporary? Hazelwood came here to throw me out to smash all this. But if you remain Hazelwood... Why not? 
I don't grudge Hazelwood my body. He deserves it. He needn't have it long. I don't have to go on keeping him alive. No, no, it's murder! Exactly, my lord. The perfect murder. Death from natural causes. In the meantime, thanks for the sound body. <laughs> now it's time for Opinion Swap, where we find some entertaining reviews of the man who changed his mind from across the interwebs. First this is stop. where Paul pulls out an old-timey newspaper. <laughs> Cross Steam on Letterboxd gives it three stars, and they say Boris Garloff is at peak gilf here. <laughs> so <laughs> someone's <laughs> yuck is yum, right? Like. Yeah, yeah. So, somebody <laughs> loves the Garloff. <laughs> <laughs> Teachers, and I guess Charisse gives it three stars as well. And they say, I love how Claire immediately figures everything out. Your dad was acting differently. They switch brains. You're smoking. You switch brains. <laughs> <laughs> she did literally see two monkeys get switched to the laboratory. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah she was aware. I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was believable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Benny Oscar, sorry, Benny Oscara gives it three and a half stars, and they said Karloff could trade brains with me anytime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, I, I, there's so much to unpack there. I, I don't, I don't know where to begin, but let's not. Uh, Turbo Snore gives it three and a half stars. Turbo Snore, that's a great name. Uh, three and a half stars, and they say. Wow, the download and upload speeds were impressive in the 1930s. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, Is that referring I, to, like, the speeding bars of when they're, like, switching their switching brain. bodies? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Those two, like, tubes and the, like, colours would change. Sure, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah I wonder and- how, like, people back then would have quantified that in their brain, like, you know, because we, I feel like if, if there was a transfer of minds, you would think about it in terms of like data. But if, mm. if computers don't exist, like, like, what is, what is that sort of to you? I don't know. I guess yeah, two floating think- orbs of energy, but then the loading. Yeah. Anyway, I do love how they visually represented that because it is quite an abstract concept. And had it been represented before? I'm sure not, like, not in this way. I think a lot of the other, body swaps that have come before have all been like a supernatural based yeah right from what i understand like turnabout it's a lot of them were about like the afterlife screwing up and people being switched accidentally by god or whatever like so this like the concept of taking someone's brain out of someone and putting it in another and swapping them like it was probably a pretty new kind of thing to grapple with so yeah very impressive finally spesh to death gives it three and a half and they say listen i don't want to come across as one of those get off my lawn oldster types who can't handle change but for the love of all that is kino bring back the mad scientist as a horror villain it's been proven by science the mad type that adding a mad scientist to a horror movie plot will increase enjoyability tenfold you get body swapping, corpse robbing, man-animal hybrids or manimals for those of us in manimal circles, not to mention Tesla coils and weirdo underlings. So next time you have a Cracker Jack story idea, take a good hard look at it and ask yourself, am I doing a disservice by not adding a mad scientist to this script? The answer will always be yes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's cute. Um, and I can't say I disagree. Mm. I, feel like I recall the uh, Hotel Transylvania. <laughs> okay, yes, they they did not they did not benefit from the mad scientist. <laughs> what are you doing? Let me out of this. Not yet. I need something first. Don't you see? I take your body, your name, and Claire, and you you take mine. The body of the man the police were hanged for murder. The body of the man who killed Hazel. Let's get to tenuous recommendations where we each recommend a piece of media that is linked to today's movie in some way. And a reminder, if you ever want to see a list of all the recommendations we have made on the show, head over to our letterbox page, which is linked on our website. So I'll start us off. My connection is black and white British movies (laughs) and a film that actually came to mind a bit when I was watching this one. It was made 10 years after this in 1946 
is a film called A Matter of Life and Death, um, who, which was directed by Powell and Pressburger. Um, have either of you guys seen this one? No, no. I haven't, no. Obviously, Powell and Pressburger, they're like legendary directors. They did films like The Red Shoes and um, Black Narcissus. And this is a film starring uh, David Niven, who, uh, you know, from Bridge and the River Kwai and a lot of like famous movies from that era. Um, and, uh, it's a film about a soldier, uh, and he is in the World War, I guess, World War Two, and he's parachuting out of his plane and he is meant to die, but there's a mix up and he doesn't. And then when the angel comes to let him know, um, we made a mistake and you're actually supposed to die. He's like, well, in the last three days before you found me, um, I've actually met the love of my life and I want to live with her forever. Um, and I don't think it's fair that because of the mix-up that you've done that I I have to be, like, taken away from her. So then um, he has to go to the afterlife and plead his case um, to, like, a jury of the afterlife of why mm. he deserves to live. It's a fantastic movie. It's um it's regarded as one of the all-time greats for a reason. Its visual representation of the afterlife is beautifully done. And uh like yeah, it's a visual feast. The performances are fantastic. And I think uh specifically to us like Brendan and I specifically having watched all these movies and so many of these swap movies are very similar in terms of about these like afterlife mix-ups and the bureaucracy of the afterlife. This is the film that shows how it should be done. So amazing. Okay, um, cool. Yeah. Uh, so I would yeah, highly is, like. It, there's such a, a like it's a thing. It's like a genre in itself. The yeah. idea of like the bureaucracy of heaven and or the afterlife in general. I just find yeah. that interesting. That's and I think it's you know human as common as this. Tribal yeah, almost. and I think it, it is like a human urge to want to, I guess, brings yeah, order, bring, bring order some to order something to something that we have no control over. Um, so yeah, um, but yeah, it's a beautiful film. I would highly recommend it. Um, it's 1946, but it still a hundred percent holds up to today's standards. So, uh, matter of life and death. Hannah, what's yours? I have two kind of um, more tenuous recommendations. I hope I can justify both adequately. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the first one, I was just thinking um, when you were reading that review before about um, the lack of the mad scientist in modern filmmaking. And I, I think that um, Ex Machina actually has that trope in um, – a revised way, but it also kind of deals with the same sorts of ideas around the mind. Um, but instead of it, instead of it being a body swap or um, transference, it's that uh, tricky question of AI and um, can mm. we replicate human consciousness? Um, it's a the modern mad scientist is the tech genius. Yes, modern yeah. mad yeah. scientist being the tech genius and. Um, I think it's incredibly timely now because everyone is, you know, using ChatGPT and um, like image generators, and it's a it's a very rapidly changing landscape, and it's and one terrifying. That everyone is very afraid of, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that would be my first one, and mm-hmm. the second one um, is Ratchet season one, which is um, a psychological thriller TV series. It came out in twenty twenty, and that's um it's a prequel to the novel One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest by um, Ken Kesey. And it's it explores the backstory of Nurse Mildred Ratched um, in a mental institution. The reason I've kind of made that connection is more around the, the lobotomy, psychiatry gone wrong kind of yeah. horror reading that um, I mentioned earlier. And um, I, I didn't see season two, but, um, and I, to be fair, I haven't watched it since, um, 2020, but, um, I thought that, um, Sarah Paulson was amazing. Um, the set and costume design is, uh, incredible in that, in that as well. And it has a, uh, a really, um, I would say complex queer storyline in there without Mm. giving too much away. 
But yes, they are my nice. two. I didn't even realize there was a season two of that. Is there? I, I yeah, I don't think. I think it was a, like a one and done from memory. Oh, was it? But I mean, I only start. I only watched the first episode. To be fair, I did, um, didn't take you. <laughs> I didn't. It didn't grab me. But Ex Machina, I can definitely back up that recommendation. Yeah, that is one of my favorite films of movie. all time. Yeah, Brendan, what's your recommendation? Uh, so my recommendation is also a uh, British. Based um, and also black and white. Okay. And mine is called The Elephant Man, directed by David Lynch. Uh, this film, I like. It's it's very much a departure from his uh, not not in a total sense um, of his, but of his like sort of horror um, uh, under you know under normal things sort of vibe, but it's more. Uh, a sort of a tender story about this, this, uh, man who is, has, oh, it's like a true story, uh, about this guy. What's his name? Mr. Elephant. John, John, <laughs> Mr. Elephant. <laughs> um, John Merrick. Merrick? Uh, anyway, uh, and this, uh, this, uh, this man who sort of takes him out of, uh, a freak show who suffers from like a disease. I think it's, called is it called like elephantitis yeah i think it yeah. i think it is actually yeah yeah uh and yeah sort of um in a way gives him a, a like a chance at life like and he's this sweet articulate person and um you know he, he sort of uh affects all the all the people who sort of interact with him in, in for the better and uh i i think it's a uh, definitely well worth the watch it's um it's also set in like victorian england um so it very much has like this uh old school of, like it was made in the 80s but it's like definitely sort of looking at those old monster films and and sort of borrowing the mission scent from those uh so yeah uh, i think it's very much worth the watch and uh anthony hopkins uh does a spectacular job as the sort of protagonist who um saves this man yeah yeah. Well worth a watch. Yes, for sure. You dirty swindler! Violence won't help you! You think you'll beat me? You and your money, will you have it? You haven't! I leave here and I'll take all this with me. On the contrary, it stays here and tomorrow I shall have it destroyed. I designed it, I built it. With my money in my institute, you use my name with the sort of quackery that wouldn't deceive a schoolboy. But now you're finished here and your apparatus is mine to do exactly what I like with. You shan't touch it! All right. So if you head over to our website, you'll see that each of us has ranked every body swap film we've reviewed on the podcast. So my question is, where are we going to put the man who changed his mind on our lists? How big is your list, Hannah? How big is my list? <laughs> I'll have to compile it for you and send it in because I'm sure I've um, seen a lot of body swap films, but I've not necessarily like stored them away by genre. You haven't ranked them in order of your favourites. No, <laughs> so the ones you've watched for the podcast, though, you've seen what? Love on a Leash. Yeah. <laughs> and and In Control. Mm-hmm. And is this the third? Or This is the is, third, yeah. Okay. Like, I feel like it will be incredibly insulting if Love on a Leash is first, but I also completely understand. It's, a, it's actually really <laughs> hard because... That was so fun to yeah. to talk about and I have I've spoken about that film to more people than any other film that I've seen recently. <laughs> the man who changed his mind, yeah. <laughs> so it really depends on the metric, I think, about uh enjoyment or uh quality. Um this is a this is the highest quality film by a country mile. Yeah. But uh, I definitely enjoyed Love on a Leash more for <laughs> reasons. <laughs> I'm going to put it in between 17 again and Family Swap. So pretty high, pretty high at the list. Not quite in the top 20 category. That's good. Yeah. That's like one of the all time classics. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable putting it there. Uh, I really enjoyed this, and it was such an easy watch. An hour, it's so good. <laughs> um, um, I'm I'm going to be putting it above Avatar: The Way of the Water, um, and underneath Love and Alicia. 
because Love of the Leash is higher than Avatar Way in the Water. <laughs> That's actually insanity, but... Uh, so, next episode, I thought we should take the recommendation of our lovely listener guy who really gets me. And I thought this would be a great opportunity to bring in a really good friend of mine, Bill Antonu of the BGM Bad Gay Movies podcast, uh, who's been wanting to come on the show for a while. Um, and I thought this film sounds gay, gay as fuck. So, what was the film called again? So, this is a 1987 fantasy comedy called Hunk where a computer nerd makes a deal with the devil and gets a new beefcake buddy. That is gay as fuck, and I love it. <laughs> uh, this film actually looks fucking hilarious, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. So, uh, yes, we'll, we'll have to dial in to Canada. Um, I'll see the logistics of making that work with our insane time difference, but um, I think it'll be worth it. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that'll be the 1987 fantasy comedy hunk, and you can watch that one also for free on YouTube. So for anyone who wants to play along. They do know you well. They yes. They know you very well. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that you know, the true me has come across on this podcast. I feel like you're building a strong personal brand and, um, yes. yeah, people are really seeing you. Thirsty, want- <laughs> thirsty idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want listeners to um, tell me which movie I am in swap form. That would be really interesting. <laughs> yeah, send yeah. in your um, send in your thoughts. Imagine if it's some, like, really, like, depressing piece of shit and how you feel like yourself <laughs> thanks again hannah for joining us on our insane podcast um, it's always a I pleasure hope- thank you for having me no worries um hope you enjoyed yourself so until next time don't be a piece of shit on the ground dpw and review us on itunes or spotify and i was paul mitzi i was brandon levi and I was Hannah Dallas. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. The Swapcast podcast is recorded in Adelaide, Australia. It's hosted by Paul Mitzi and edited by Brendan Levi and Paul Mitzi. Our theme song was written and performed by John Marco of Two Creative, featuring Lucy Thomas, and recorded at Browntown Studios. Our music bumpers were created by Reggie Parker. Contact him on parkerregmusic at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.